What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another brand new Rubby Muscle podcast. I am your host, as always, TJ. And in this episode, I am honored, flattered to be joined by one of my role models, really, like Brett Contreras. He is the, he's known as the glute guy, but he's so much more than that. He's a real... Um, real-world personal trainer that trains clients on a day-to-day basis and does all of that nuanced stuff, but also is balls deep in the research. He's really deep into the science of strength and conditioning. It's You can tell it's a real big passion of his, and you can tell that because of all this science, he understands that there are so many shades of gray with this stuff, and that's really where this episode sort of goes. We outline like the different nuances that are involved in strength and conditioning, why people need science and why people bash science. And it ends up being a really important discussion rather than one of those episodes where we say, hey, you guys should be doing this or that or whatever it is. Ends up being another one of those. Speaking of which, if you're interested in a solid rugby strength and conditioning program in a world-class strength and conditioning program delivered directly to your phone, look no further than Team Rugby Muscle. You can find more details on that at rugby-muscle.com or you can try and win a free three-month subscription to the service just by going to iTunes and giving us a five-star review. And the first winner of this um, this free giveaway is Mocho94 on iTunes. So if you're listening and you are Mocho94, just reach out to me however which way you want, prove that it's you, and you will be getting a free three-month subscription to Team Rubby Muscle. That's world-class strength and condition delivered directly to your phone. For now, though, let's get on to this episode. We are joined by Brett Contreras. This is awesome. All right, guys, so we are honored to be live here with Brett Contreras. Brett, how are you doing? I'm doing great, TJ. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's, it's an absolute honor. It's an absolute honor. Um, I already gave you a big spiel ahead of time uh, on the podcast, but for a... For listeners' purposes, like describe yourself or describe what you do in one sentence, if you can. So I'm interested in all things uh, strength training and sports science related. I study everything, but my primary interest is the glutes and hence my nickname, the glute guy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about glutes, but I'm, I'm also very interested in like your science background as well. Um, so we have a, we have a bunch of different questions related to that. And, um, I mean, if you want to listen or if you want to find out how to build the biggest glutes, you just type in Brett Contreras on Google and there's about a million sites, about a thousand different podcasts that you can listen to, to figure that stuff out. Cause yeah, you are well and truly the glute guy. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get straight into it. Um, so the first question we have is, um, why is sports science like so needed and, like just in general for sports performance, I want to know like why is it so needed, and what would you counter to people say, saying that like the science and stuff is outdated? Because I see a lot of stuff on social media these days with people saying you know they're ahead of the science and all of this stuff. They don't wait for the science. What would you say to these sort of people? Yes, good question. And I, I see that all the time as well. And I, I think it stems from uh, jealousy, uh, and this is mainly with U.S. coaches because. Uh, when I lived in New Zealand, it was just, uh, um, it was, you know, calm, common that, that all the coaches there spent their days in the weight room, but they also, uh, they also had P- PhDs. So it was just, mm-hmm. that's what it was, you know, um, but, uh, 
the reason why it's so important is because how how can you how can you really improve things if you don't understand the science or know know what the true mechanism behind something? For example, um, <clears throat> but but I will argue that you can just be like some kind of like some old school strength coach that knows a lot about lifting and and proper form and you know has your your athletes do a, 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 a tried and true program and you can see really good results that way. But how do you take it to the next level? You know, how do you get even better than that? Then, then that's where science becomes important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I could just go on and on. For example, uh, let's say you were one of those coaches that thought that bilateral movements are are so superior to single leg movements for sports performance. And doing squats and deadlifts and, you know, Olympic lifts is so much more important than doing Bulgarian split squats and single leg RDLs and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know various weighted one-legged plyos or stuff like that, then you would never try out there. You'd never give the single leg movements a try. Well, what if you have um, athletes that suffer from back pain and you for- keep forcing squats and deadlifts down their throat and they, they're never going to perform optimally because they're always in pain and p- pain inhibits muscle activation. So you're not going to perform your best if you have pain. And you're not going to train your best if you're in pain. So if there's research showing, you know, that that you, single leg training and double leg training are similarly effective across the board for strength and power and, you know, performance measures. So, uh, and I'll give you another example. One time I was talking to a coach who, who was saying, uh, you know, heavy sled uh, pushing is great for improving horizontal force development. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I said, I used to think that too, but there was a, a journal article that was published by the, uh, a researcher in uh, Japan. His name's Keiwei Mori. And it showed that sled training did improve your acceleration time, but it didn't do so through increasing horizontal force. It did, through, did so through decreasing vertical force, and it just improved their technique. Oh, it's counterintuitive. Uh, And I remember sending that study to my professor, my supervisor, John Cronin out of AUT University in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And he he made some remark like, you know, this is how it always is. The second you think you understand something, (laughs) something like this comes your way. So uh, that's just one study. But the bottom line is, Oh, so so to finish that story, I was talking to strength coach, and I told him that, and he's like, "Well, I don't need no study to tell me. I see it with my own two eyes." And I go, "What do you mean? You see, you can see that they're producing more horizontal force on the ground." He goes, "Yeah." How can you see that? How can you see that? So I was like, "He can see that they're producing less vertical force somehow." Right. What? what? That. He, yeah. That's something you need force plates for. So I I bet you with heavier loads, yes, you do produce more horizontal force, but with body weight. It, uh, it it's not the same. Uh, but anyway, um, th- things like that happen all the time. And it's important to be, uh, to be humble, to be skeptical, to be open-minded. Um, and, and don't think you know it all, because uh, we don't know crap. We, well, half the stuff the strength coaches like me talk about is incomplete or incorrect. Probably 30% of what I say on this podcast <laughs> today is is wrong or incomplete. It's just based on what we know at the current time. And we have to be open-minded to learning more according to research. Now, on the flip side, uh, so I, I, I get annoyed when I hear 
the coaches kind of scoff at research, but then I get equally as annoyed when I hear the researchers scoff at, you know, like, like yeah. dissing yeah. off paint coaches who, who notice certain things and, and, you know, it might not jive with the, with, with what the research says at the moment, or it might not be um, well studied, but, uh, both sides need each other. We need effective communication. And we also need to kind of spend spend some time learning how the other works and operates and, and so we can work effectively together because a lot of the, the respect isn't there to even or, – or the knowledge isn't there to even have effective um, collaboration in the first place. You know, I don't know many coaches and researchers who talk to each other and say, hey, here's what I'm noticing. Here's what I think. And it could we could see so much better progress if both sides respected each other well. And yeah. the, but it's egos. It's just egos where you know the the there's dissing on both camps from both sides, and I don't like it. I think and I think it's common sense that if you wanted to be your best, if you wanted to be the best strength coach in the world, the best track and field coach, the best whatever, the best sports teams coach, you would need to. I spend a lot of time in the weight room in the, in the gym with, with your athletes and clients. And you would also need to spend a lot of time hitting the books and researching. And so I always say a third of your knowledge comes from training yourself in the gym. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to walk the walk and work out yourself and not just, not just do the same thing every day, but experiment while you're in the gym on different exercise, on different programs, tweak things and see the results. Then the, the another third comes from training other people. And then a final third comes from reading and uh, like attending lectures and, uh, you know, hopefully you can make friends with intelligent colleagues and talk shop with them. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, the, that's where you f- form the complete, that's the, the complete package when you're doing all three. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, there's a lot to dive into with that. Um, and I will do like, I, I enjoyed what you said about how it's different overseas. Cause here in the States it is, it's, it's very much who, you know, and like you could have no degrees, no nothing, but you just know the right guy. And all of a sudden you're, you're an NFL assistant strength coach or something like that, or at least a college one. And then you know, I never went there. I was in my, in my young twenties, I wanted to be a strength coach for a pro team. And I was, I was lifting weights. It was, this was in, Arizona and Scottsdale at World Gym. On uh, I, I remember it like yesterday. I was probably 24 at the time mm-hmm. and working out. And there was a, a, a offensive lineman for the Cardinals who kind of like he made the practice team, but he wasn't good enough to make the 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 you know to 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 make the, the squad. Team. Yeah. <laughs> so he uh, and, but he was really interested in strength and conditioning, and he told me he's like, it's terrible. I make uh, you know, I make, um, like he just started being an assistant coach, but he was telling me he makes like, I think it was like 35,000 a year, but he works 52 weeks a year. And works <laughs> yeah. like, you, know, you break that down to an hourly and it's terrible. Yeah. He's working like 80 hour weeks. And then he said, so what you have to do is basically you wait for the head coach to be, to die or be fired. And then if, if that one of those two things happens, um, you don't know if they're going to hire from within or from outside. So, and 
they might hire there's one of five assistants to hire uh, <laughs> you don't know you've got a 20 percent chance if they hire from within or but they might hire from the outside and not even take any assistance so i heard that and i was like "Ooh, that doesn't sound very good so Props to all the assistant strength coaches out there. My hat's off to you. Absolutely. And well, the, the, the even worse thing is, I mean, I see it all the time in the UK and we just had another strength coach, Sam Portland on, who's just gone out of that sort of realm is because we have in professional sports in the UK, we have countless amounts of guys that have got masters and are just, they're volunteers. They're in, they're in, they're not even being paid at all. And it's like, wow, this person studied for like five years, knows all the science, but you know, it's now, I don't know, I guess they're spoiled or they don't see the value in what we do, which it's is a shame. Sad. Yeah, it's sad, I know. But, um, you know, it's a it's a labor of love. You've got to really be passionate about this and, and love. Uh, but a lot of times it's a, it's a thankless job as well. You know, a lot of athletes, a lot of, uh, especially some athletes are very entitled and not thankful. Yeah. I have a lot of, a lot of colleagues who train pro athletes and they'll say the only people who snub me on payments are pro athletes. It's like they, they're, they're used to getting things in life for free and they don't like to pay up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, that, that probably leads to why a lot of the coaches have to have egos is that they're trying to prove their worth all the time and, and whatnot. And, um, that brings me to, uh, it's a, it's an old article of yours. I, I'm good friends with like, uh, Buddy Morris, he's the, yep. the Cardinals, and then I know Joe Ken, and you know I always tell these these people who come to me, and you know students and young coaches, and they'll want to you know uh, observe me, and they'll, they'll they want to become strength coaches, and I'm like rather than working on your knowledge and you know of like mechanics and program design and you know the physiology and biomechanics behind everything, work on your personality and mm-hmm. become. Like those guys are, are, you would follow them into battle. You, you would you would do whatever they say. They're very authoritative, and you try, um, it's just this. Uh, you, you just you can tell. Like I I I'd, I'd love to train under Buddy Morris and and be his. Uh, I I would see good results if mm-hmm. he were my paint coach. I just know it, and you you'd place all your confidence in him for sure. You know, it's just that persona that's really hard to teach. It's like it's a, a you either have it or you don't. It's <laughs> it's genetic. You either have that personality. I think it's hard to develop. But he's got he's a leader, and he's got the credibility. But it's not just the way he carries himself. It's the words he says and how he says it. And you know, it's uh, you, you could tell his he would just be a great strength coach. I have no doubt about it. He's amazing at what he does. Yeah. And then um, that that brings me on to another question I have um, or thought I want from you really is one of the first videos I ever saw of you, actually the first time I think I'd ever heard the name Brett Contreras was on an old YouTube video grilling another world-renowned strength coach, um, Charles Poliquin. And so I think a lot of this is about, goes back to, it's not necessarily like the techniques, it's just that the people who buy into them, like you said, with, if, if you're training under Buddy, it's not necessarily the sets and the reps or even the exercises, it's it's the way he has you do them and how he has you like fully buy in. Like then no one's doing half ass in a workout that's been given to them by Charles himself or or Buddy Morris. So first of all, it's funny you say this because another study just came out. So there's studies 
showing that uh, you know people were the, two two groups. Um, one group was was just the control, and the other group was told they're taking Dianabol, you know, Dibol, the steroid. <laughs> uh-huh. and the group who was told, the group was really given a placebo, but uh, they they were told it was Dianabol, and they saw way better results than the other group. Wow. And then another study just came out. I can't remember the, the exact specifics, but it basically showed that what you believe and, and your it really impacts the, the your adaptations. And so if you and I say this all the time, if if okay, I'm gonna tell a little story here. I had a client come to me and this was when I was in Phoenix, so uh uh two and a half, three years ago, yeah, probably three years ago. She came to me and first she said, I was told I'll never, I'll, I'll never get glutes because I can't squat deep. And I'm like, well, well so <laughs> why can't you get glutes? Well, I was told by my, and this was a very popular online figure. I won't mention his name, but he thinks that deep squats are the only way to get glutes and that no other exercise, there's not a single exercise that's effective according to him. And I told her, this is nonsense. You could yeah. never squat at all and get great glutes. I mean, I have bikini competitors. I have a bikini competitor. Uh, her name's Jade. She has amazing glute development. Amazing. Huge glutes. I mean, like top 10 Olympia stat- status glutes. And she did, for one of her preps, she did two exercises. Hip thrust and seated hip abduction machine. And had amazing glutes. So a lot of it's genetic. But anyway, mm-hmm. you can develop glutes. If you did half squats, parallel squats, or full squats, and there's there's hip thrusts, there's deadlifts, there's other squat variations, there's lunges, there's single leg movements, there's back extensions and reverse hypers and posterior chain movements and abduction movements. So what he said was ridiculous. But here's the crazy thing: when I taught her full squats, she I've never seen she was my best squatter. She had the best form. She he looked like the way Mark Ripito teaches squats. You know, I like I like his his way of teaching. Mm-hmm. Just over like the lower bar, bar position, and mm-hmm. just looked and and uh, or the neutral grip uh, hand position, and it just looked uh, it looked beautiful. And she could squat deep. It's just that he never um, he was an online coach, and he he doesn't know what he's doing. So, all right, but Fuck. that's all besides the point. The yeah. second thing was that she hadn't been able to do a um, she hadn't been able to do a deadlift or stiff leg deadlift or anything like that in about fifteen years, and she had suffered an injury. Uh, she was a cheerleader in college, and she jumped and did one of those split things, you know, the jumping splits. And when she landed, she injured her hamstring, and I'm guessing it was probably a, a minor tear. I thought for a second you were going to say she landed in the splits. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it was just a, a, a fluke, uh, one of those things. And so, yeah. And then, and then uh, she re injured it like, you know, five years later. And then just, it had been about 10 years since she had ever done a deadlift or, or stiff leg deadlift. And that pain was still there. That pain never went away. So, and this is a good uh, learning, like a teachable moment here because, um, if all you have, I always say this, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So what I would have said earlier in my career, when all I knew about pain was biomechanical reasons, I mean, how would you explain that? You'd have to say the, cause a tear is supposed to heal up, especially if you're not doing deadlifts or stiff leg or doing yeah, any, at least after 10 years. Yeah. Right. 
Well, how would you explain that the pain is still there? You'd say, well, she's got adhesions and scar tissue and her fibers aren't aligned and her fascia is all jacked up and she needs to be doing foam rolling and, you know, whatever. She, and to realign the fibers and release mm -hmm. the trigger points and release the adhesions and fascia. And that's, or, or she needs to be doing these special exercises. And so interestingly, here's what I gave her. I gave her a manual, manual uh, resisted. I just bent her over my glute ham raise. So she was folded over in a hips flex position. Mm -hmm. I told her to bring her leg up. So she's prone lying face down and told her to bring one leg up. And I just said, okay, I want you to resist me. And I pushed down. So she's doing eccentric knee flexion with the hips flex so that at the bottom, she's in a lengthened position. She's in a fully stretched out kind of 90 degree angle. Yeah. And I did, I think I did like, I had her do like four, two sets of four reps or something like that. Mm -hmm. And anyway, the next, the next time I trained her, she's like, I have been so sore in that hamstring and I'm still sore today. And I'm like, what? It was, this was like five days later. I'm like, that's crazy. I go, okay, let's, uh, let's do it again. I'll just do it light. And then the, I did it. So then, then this was on like a Thursday and then I did it again on a Monday. And then the next Thursday she says, I'm feeling good. Uh, I have, I, I, and she, it always took her 30 minutes to warm up to be able to do lower body because of her hamstring. Uh huh. She warms it. She's like, I feel warm, Brett. And it's been five minutes. Uh, I, I, I want to, this is amazing. I've never felt like this after five minutes. I want to try deadlifts. So I go, absolutely not. No way. Let's, let's, let's I don't know. <laughs> It's too soon. And she's like, Brett. And she was like getting emotional and teary eyed. She's like, I haven't done a deadlift in whatever, but 10 years. I, I won't really want to try it and I'm willing to take the risk, but I just want to see. She ends up pulling 155 pounds for two reps. <laughs> then she does dumbbell stiff leg deadlifts and grabs 50 pound dumbbells and does like 10 reps. So make a long story short, her pain never came back. Now it took it from that, that point forward, instead of taking 30 minutes to warm up, it took five minutes to warm up. She could do deep squats. Now she can do de de deadlifts and stiff leg deadlifts and her pain never returned. Okay. At least to my knowledge, I, even uh, up to like a year afterwards, her pain hadn't returned. Yeah. So what do I think? So if, yeah, what do you attribute remember, this to? if all I knew was biomechanics and structure, I would think that, what would I conclude? I would conclude that, my special uh, exercise that manual resisted into into you know a deep stretch uh, that is has special properties and it realigns the fibers and it breaks apart scar tissue and adhesions and it 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 does special things and I probably would have written an article about it if you have a hamstring strain try this mm -hmm. and yeah this is, this is my one weird trick. Yeah, and then this is this is this is my best explanation as to how it's working. Your 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 uh, hamstring uh, when it heals back, it's it the fibers are all mashed up and all over the place, and this helps realign them. And I would have been dead wrong. You know what? You know why? You know what happened? Go on. And you have to do. You have to understand pain science for this. Uh, 
she was confident in me. She sees I'm the glute guy. I have my PhD. I have got a million followers or well, half a million, but I, I've got a ton of followers <laughs> yeah. and I must know what I'm doing. So she has confidence in me. So I get her to reuse her hamstring. Like she hasn't been using it. She's been guarding it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and she's confident about me. And it gets her to lower her guard, lower her, you know, to release the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Give it a try. And that built some confidence. And then that pain went away. So it wasn't a biomechanical reason. This was a psychological explanation. Yeah. And important to study science. So you know that. So anyway, this is my, that was a big, long rant, uh, rambling just to, just to show you the, the importance of having confidence in someone. Absolutely. And that's, and that's why I can get better results than someone else giving them the same program. They are going to see better results with me because they're like, oh, he's the glute guy. He's got his PhD. He's been training people for 20 some years. He knows what he's doing. And mm-hmm. so my, my, my work, <laughs> the, the, the way is paved for me because of that perception. And so confidence is a huge factor. Now, what you said earlier about how you um, saw this video of this feud between Charles Poliquin and this, <laughs> Yeah, that all started. Uh, people don't know the backstory. He was uh, bashing me at conferences and bashing hip thrusts and bashing Brett. Oh. Yeah, and I had heard this from about ten people, and and I don't go after people. I never do. But my my whole point was, don't uh, throw stones if you live in a glass hut, because there's a lot of things that I don't agree with with Paul. And so I made that video, and I think at the time it was. Uh, you know, I, I I was proud of myself for putting that out because I knew he has so many fans and I'd be hated by so many people. But it needs to be said. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people today come to me and say I was, I was, you know, I was just hooked in. I was bought everything he said, and I was like a they call themselves Paula clones. Um, <laughs> but then he he passed away recently, and so I took the video down. Just out of, I mean, it's no yeah. longer. He passed away, unfortunately. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you see a lot of these uh, rivalries and like rivaling strength coaches, and it's all ego. Uh, I offered to debate with him, and he never would. Uh, I offered him several times. I reached out, and he never he would he would never accept the challenge, which is unfortunately because I think debates are where you can reach common ground and, and, and learn more. And learn more, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's awesome. That's a really good story, and. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really do hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure that you're subscribed so you can get every single future episode delivered directly to your phone without any sort of hassle whatsoever. If you'd like to win some cool free stuff, then you can go ahead and go give us a five-star review, ideally on iTunes, but you can use whatever podcasting service you do to give us a five-star review. Right now, we're giving away a three a free three-month subscription to Team Rugby Muscle. That's our flagship strength and conditioning program where you can get world-class strength and conditioning delivered directly to your phone so that you can make the most amount of progress in the simplest way possible. And last but not least, you can download 50 free conditioning sessions just by visiting rugby-muscle.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one.